Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. But we are finishing our series on uh, Malachi. I love the book of Malachi. We're seeing the other side of worship. We're looking at Israel and what God is saying to us through the nation of Israel. And they had some type of dialogue, some type of dispute with God. Six major disputes with God. And so God sort of dialogues back with them through the prophet Malachi. Last week, Jacob brought a great message that I wanted to bring to you on giving. And they had a dialogue with God when God said, hey, body of Christ, you're robbing me. How are you, how can you rob God, you know? Can I go up to heaven and secretly get in there and take some treasures from heaven? I mean, how do you rob God? And he taught us, you're robbing me when you don't give back to me what's already mine. This week is about a different dispute. And we're going to pick up in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 13 and reading through 4 about this dispute, the last dispute that God addresses. And then there's going to be silence for almost 400 years. So when someone says something to you just before they die, or they're going away, or in this case, God's not going to speak to them for a long time. You want to listen in on what God has to say. This is the last of six disputes that they had with God. Here's how it reads in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. He's saying to his people, who claim to be people of God, you have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. You ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. That was their, that was a group of people and their dispute with God. Then there's another group of people. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as a, just as in compassion a man spares his son and serves him. And you will see again the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble and on that day that is coming 
will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. He concludes with these words, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him on Horeb for all Israel. And here's the final words. Before 400 years of silence, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, you are here. We know that. We love you. And like children, we need to learn from our Father. And so we open up our hearts and our minds for you to once again instruct us or correct us or teach us or encourage us. Of course, when you speak, it does all those at one time. Would you do that to us this morning, those looking in online and those present? We need to be encouraged to live for you, Father, because we know this world doesn't serve you. We want to do a good job of that. So please receive our attention as worship. We open up our minds to receive, our hearts to receive. Would you speak to your servants as I try to tell them what you told us? Have your way. Change hearts. Would you raise up an army of servants, Father, please, for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've called the title this morning's message that it prays, excuse me, it pays who you serve. Once again, it pays who you serve. I want to start off with two illustrations to get to my message this morning. <clears throat> and the first one, I don't know, is kind of a sport illustration. How many, how many actually, would you be honest, you like sports, raise your hands, would you raise your hands? How many can't stand sports? Raise your hands. Okay, we got a few. So I have another illustration for you a little bit. Well, to, to kind of nail home this point this morning that I believe God is making through his prophet Malachi, there was a, an athlete by the name of Antonio Brown, and he was playing for Tampa Bay Buccaneers in January, and right in the middle of the third quarter while they were behind, he decides to take off a shirt, leave the game, and stop serving his team, and left and abandoned the team and ended up abandoning football. His team was behind by two touchdowns. He probably thought it was all over. But they forgot about the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, was still in the game. Tom Brady made a comeback, and all those who stayed aboard and served ended up reaping the rewards. Antonio Brown, right or wrong, he ended up losing out. He didn't serve the team well on that occasion. Not only that, he lost a lot, millions of dollars, and now out of the NFL. That's kind of the picture. One that served 
and one that didn't serve. And then there's a parable in the scriptures in Matthew, Matthew 25. We're going to look at in a second. But to set the stage, remember the landowner goes away on a journey and he leaves his estate in charge to three servants. And he gives his three servants some gold. He gives one five bag of gold and he gives another one two bags of gold and he gives another one one bag of gold. And he goes away on his journey and he said, invest my money. Well, we pick up the story in verse 19 of what took place in Matthew 25, verse 19. Well, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you know, he's all excited. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler of many things. Boy, I, I really camp out in this place because that's my mantra in my life. I've been faithful in a few things. God's going to reward me in a great way. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, I think it would have been kind of easy for him. He had only been entrusted with one thing. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has five or ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How much do you really appreciate God? Or Jesus in your life and what he has done for you in your life? If you love him, you will serve him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. So I want you to think this morning, are you really, truly a servant of God? Or are you like the group of people in Israel that said it doesn't pay to serve God? In fact, that's the first point I'd like to talk to you about this morning. About this group of people 
that said it does not pay to serve God. Again, there are two people in this group, the complainers or the whiners in the first group. People who do not believe it pays to serve God. First of all, we see in verse 13, notice how they reacted to God. You have spoken arrogantly against me. I mean, we know arrogant people. They look down their nose. They think they're better than anybody else and everybody else. They have all the answers. They think they're superior. This is the attitude that these people had toward God. They dishonored the name of God. And in Malachi, we get a picture of this over and over again. In fact, over 11 times, God said, you have dishonored my name. Here's God's reaction in Malachi 1, 6. He said, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father... Where is the honor due me in serving? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. This guy with one bag, of course, he gave no respect to his master. It is you priests, you leaders and priests of the home, who have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, have we shown contempt for your name? We explained to you over and over in Malachi how they showed contempt for his name, by not loving him in your home, by dishonoring his name, by bringing a cheap offering to God, by acting like you're a better judge than God. He handled that situation. That's how they dishonored his name. By not honoring the institution of marriage, not considering it from God's viewpoint, by acting like all the money you have is yours and not bringing tithes and offerings. And now he addresses the issue by saying, it does not pay to serve God. Remember, he said this to us. He said in Malachi 1, my name will be great among the nations. He wanted to do that through Israel, and they did not accept that responsibility. At this time, they were not. How are you doing with accepting that responsibility? You see, God wants to make his name great through each one of you and through your marriage and through your family and through your kids and through your job and through this church. He wants to make his name great. He said, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations. And he's about to show these Israelis living in that day, this truth. So they were speaking arrogantly against God, this group of people, saying it doesn't pay to serve God. Then they denied they were actually conducting themselves in this manner, acting arrogantly against him. Notice in the later part of verse 13, they said, you have spoken arrogantly against me. And you ask, what have we said against you? Have you ever heard a so-called saint sit around and talk about God and the audacity that they have talking about him or getting mad at him. I know people that get mad at God. Let me tell you something. If there was a guy six foot seven, you know, I go work out at this gym and this is this guy. Here's how he walks. 
I go, what an arrogant guy. Maybe I'm jealous of him. I don't know, but he, he is stout. But I wouldn't want to go up to his name. You know what? You act like a, you act like you're stuck up. Can you imagine me walking up to him to say that? Well, you little nincompoop. I could see him just reeling back and hitting me in the jaw. This is the attitude that these people had toward God. They were speaking arrogantly about Yahweh. They had no fear of God. And if they had no fear of God, they really didn't know him. They, they were the recipients of being in a nation that God had tremendously blessed. And they thought by just being a member of the Jewish nation that they ought to receive all these blessings from God. That was their attitude. They said point blank in verse 14. It didn't pay to serve God. Notice in verse 14. You have said, this is God's debate with them. It is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty. Again, the whole book screams out loud how they did not feel that God was worthy of their love, of their resources, and their time. My question to us, do we really believe what we sang about a while ago? I'm available. I'm available. I'm willing to serve. Do you believe it pays God or pays to serve God? Well, let's see. Let me take a measuring stick. Do you really, do you really want to find out where you're at? Let's use the Pareto principle. You're familiar with the Pareto principle, the 80-20 principle. I like to use this and be kind of silly, but it's true. If you have a picnic, you've heard me say this, you know that 20% of the people will eat 80% of the food at a picnic. Did you know that? If you sell 10 things at, at, uh, uh, at, it used to be Sears, and you sold 10 things, your top two movers will give you 80% of your commission. Did you know that? Did you know that the Pareto principle applies in the church? 20% of the people give all the money in the church. 20% of the people serve God in the church, and they put an unnecessary weight on those who do serve. In other words, 80% of the congregation remains passive when it comes to living on mission for God. While it may not be true of all congregations, I think it's safe to say that a large portion of the body of Christ treat the church like consumers. For 80%, as theologian David Wells has reminded us, the church is a place to come and receive religious services and goods. If their needs are not met, they begin church shopping. Where are you this morning? Are you among the 80% or the 20 percenters? Then, if you're a part of the 80%er, then you fit right in with the arrogant people spelled out in the book of Malachi. You do not believe it pays to serve God, so you don't give tithes and offerings. You do not believe it pays to serve God, and therefore, you do not serve. You see, God has equipped the church with gifts. The second you and me believed in Jesus Christ, we were baptized into the family of God. 
the Holy Spirit then birthed a gift or gifts in each one of you, a gift from God to use amongst the believers in Christ when we gather together. Read 1 Corinthians 12. Read Romans 12. He has given you a gift. You're going to stand before a holy God one day and give an account how you use that gift. He said, here's what I did for you. How did you respond to that? Your lack of involvement can discourage others from getting involved. You see, over here in the children's church, oh, it is a challenging but rewarding ministry. And they're always looking for servants, and they never quite have enough. You see, the Proto principle is real. Jesus even commented on it. Here's what he said in Matthew 9, 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jacob and I are asking you this morning, this church needs more servants to do the job that God has asked us to do. And we're asking you, Will you get out from the 80% and stop church shopping and stop looking at the church as a consumer? What can it do for me? And ask, what can you do for the church? Much like John Kennedy asked, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country is sort of the theme here. So Jesus said, there's few workers in his day and in today. This group of complainers gives you the real reason why they don't believe it is or it pays to serve God in verse 15. Notice, here's what they said. But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. You see, Israel in that day, remember, they probably heard about their former glory, the Davidic Solomonic era, how God delivered them with a mighty hand from Egyptian bondage. Then in 580, they go into captivity. They come back to the land 50, 60 years later. They're in the land for over 100, 120, 30, 40 years, and they have not tasted any of the glory <clears throat> that Israel had experienced in their lifetime. And they see all the other nations prospering around them. In fact, they're subservient to the Persians. Where is this God, this mighty God who delivered us with a mighty hand from the Egyptians? Where is this God? That's what they were saying. And many of us might even say that today. Look, at evil seems to prevail. All the wicked seem to be getting away with a lot, especially as we examine what's happened in the last two years in this country. We may be saying the same thing. It doesn't pay to serve God because you're looking at your circumstances. I absolutely believe it pays to serve God. Are you in the 80%? Are you, are you coming up with reasons not to serve God? Like, I, I really don't have the time. You don't know how busy I am. 
We have a parable in Scripture that talks about that. Remember, Jesus inviting us to have a relationship with him, inviting us to have a home in heaven, and he sends the invitation out, and all the excuses are given. Do you recall that parable? Well, I, I got to go bury my dad, or, or I, I got some cows to attend to, or animals to attend to, and I got some business deals that I need to get done, right? Can you imagine standing before a holy God who created you and then died on your behalf saying, God, I don't have time for you. I don't have time to serve you. We come together an hour and a half on a Sunday. As a pastor, I have never tried to burden a church down with church work because I believe most of our, our witnesses out there. And if we come and hide in a building four or five days a week, then we won't be the light that God wanted us to be. So we don't ask too much of you. When you come here, would you help serve in this church? Will you be one of the 20 percenters? That's one group of people that God addresses. Now there's another group that thinks a different way in this passage, and God brings it to our attention. Not everyone's thinking like this. Not everyone's thinking like the 80 percenters. Just because they're in the majority doesn't mean they're right. And so now... Let's look at verse 16 and 17. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his sons who serve him. There are people who say it pays to serve God, and this was a group of people that said it pays to serve God. There are two people I kind of recall who remind us of this, it pays to serve God. One was Elijah, you remember, when he said, choose this day who you'll serve. If Baal be God... How many remember the challenge? Raise your hand in the Bible, right? You know the challenge, because if you don't know it, wait, wait, so I'll stop again. How many remember the challenge of Elijah all serving Baal, and they brought the servants to this nice little fire pit, a big fire pit, and he challenged them. Okay, if your God be God, then he's going to devour the sacrifice, and, and he's going to um, prove that he's God. And they took a half a day and couldn't do anything, and then Elijah called on God, and God swallowed up the whole sacrifice. And they end up killing all, all the, the priests uh, who um, served Baal. He said, choose this day who you're going to serve. But there's another character in the Bible that posed this challenge, and that was Joshua. Joshua served under the commander of Moses. He experienced all the miraculous works of God. Then he's now the commander, and now he's taken over almost every single nation that God asked him to conquer. And he's about to fade out of his commandership. And he challenges the people before he leaves and says this in Joshua 24, 15. But if the serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve. Listen. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. And by the way, there's only two. 
I wanted to call the sermon, Are You in the Game? Are You on the Bench? You either serve God or you serve the world or the world system or you serve yourself. There's no in-between, guys. I, 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 I'd like to report to you there's in-between, but there's no in-between. He said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Ammonites or Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I raised my family, said, this house is going to serve God in everything we do, every day of our lives, everywhere we go, I'm going to pour Jesus into your lives. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many people serve him in the church? 20%. What do these 20 percenters look like? Verse Verse 16. Notice, they feared the Lord. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. The beginning of wisdom, God said, is that you fear me. I was brought up to fear authority, and so certainly I feared God. I learned to fear him properly. At one time, I feared him improperly. I thought he was some big, bad God up there that just, you know, had it in for all of us until I read the Word of God, until I became a believer. Then I learned what he meant by fearing the Lord. They feared the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. And then, also, they talked with each other, encouraging one another. Notice in the latter part of verse 16, they talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. Well, They were serving. They encouraged one another. 1 Thessalonians reminds us, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. God wants the believers to encourage one another. Don't you dislike when someone asks you to help them move? And you show up. They don't find anybody. They, they move in the middle of the week. Oh, just teasing. <laughs> picking us up. You can't. You, you had to move. I'm picking on one of my buddies here. But, but they don't. No one shows up to help them move. They don't have anything packed. The drawers are still filled with underwear and T-shirts. I don't want to help them pack. And you're taking off a half a day and you've asked your other comrades to help you. If you come and ask me to help you move, I make this commitment to you. I will help you move, but I have the right to come in your home Friday before Saturday to make sure you packed everything, because otherwise I'm telling our buddies, we're going golfing. You had no respect for me to think about, we're taking off a half a day to help you move, and you want us to help you pack? You haven't done a cotton-picking thing. You put an extra burden on those who end up helping that family move, and I've done that and been worn out because we didn't have any helpers. Jesus said it. I've got a lot of work that needs to be done. Pray for the labors. I need labors. Here's Jesus dying for us on the cross. Can I, can I sign you up? Can I sign you up? 
after all, I bought you, you're mine. Yes, Master, whatever you desire, she would be our beckoning call. I'm available. Ask me, God, whatever you want me to do. And it's done on a day-to-day basis, not only in the church, but on a day-to-day basis. He may interrupt you by, well, not interrupt you. You understand what I mean. You're, you're about your business that God wants you to be about, but, but then he may interrupt your plans. He has the right to do that. I'm, I'm at your beckoning call, Lord. So they talk to each other. They encourage one another. And when we do the work of God, it's, it's so wonderful when we have a team of people helping us. I remember last year, getting ready in December, Jacob led us into some, some, some renovations back there. It was a tremendous task. I remember one time about nine years ago, 10 years ago, we painted the church. And my idea was we're going to have a squad here, a squad there, a squad on this side, and a squad on this side, and we're all going to paint the church. And we had a lot of people helping out get the church done in two weekends. We painted the church. That was wonderful. Can you imagine two, three, four, five people painting the church? So it's not just work, but it's spiritual work. But it does involve physical work. And we need you guys. This church needs you to lighten our load. And I promise you, whatever service you render to the church, there's a volunteer service that we appreciate. But if you go the extra mile and work four, five, six, seven, eight hours, I promise you, you're worthy of your hire, just like we're worthy of our hire. We want to pay you. We don't, we don't ask for you to just give us something for nothing. If you're an electrician or if you're whatever you are, if you help us out in something that takes your day, we want to pay you. So that's the kind of attitude that we have, Jacob and I, about serving the church. But we need you to serve the Lord and ultimately serve the church. You see, there are good works, notice in verse 16, and good conversation were being recorded. When we talk to one another, what we do, God is recording everything we do, our attitudes. Are we encouraging one another? Are we rolling up our sleeves? Are we doing the things that we ask? He said, a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who fear the Lord and honor his name. It does pay to serve. Notice in verse 17. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spare his son who serves him. So the reward, heaven. In my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. He's going to reward you. What do you do with treasured possessions? Well, you make sure you take care of them. And they have a special place in your life or in your home. There's no judgment. That's how God treats these servants, this group of people. What a contrast. Many of you, are in the 20%. And that's how the church got to where it is. Jacob and I are not interested in growing a church to four, five, six, seven hundred for the sake of growth. We believe the church will grow if we go from 20% to 40% to 60% to 80% of volunteers. What I mean by that is I remember joining my first church. I was at the church five days a week. I just loved the church. They were my extracurricular activity where I used to go to the bars and, and shoot pool and gamble and dance. and not that, Some of those things aren't wrong, like dancing. Okay, I just want to make sure I tell you what things are right and wrong. 
But I was at the church all the time. I loved God's people. I wanted to hang around. I hung around a lot of lost people. I didn't like being around them at all. I did that my whole life. Why did I want to hang around them anymore? So I got involved in the church. I was one of the 20 percenters, rolled up my sleeves. I didn't get paid any extra money. I probably worked there 20 hours a week. But a lot of the work was done outside the church. We'd go knock on trailer doors. We'd knock on apartment doors. We'd knock on homes. We'd get a bus and fill them up with kids, and we'd bring them back to church. And, and we'd go out and knock on doors and visitation. And, and there's work to do at the church. It, God, can I tell you? It was not a job to me. I'm telling the truth. It was not a job to me. Although I did learn something from that. I challenged the pastors, and they didn't like that when I challenged them sometimes. I said, Pastor, if I'm down at the church all the time, how am I going to lead my mom and dad or my brother and my sister or my friends to Christ if I'm down here at this building all the time? Because remember, we went to church Sunday morning twice, Sunday evening twice, on Tuesday, on Wednesdays, and Saturdays. How, if, if I'm supposed to win the loss and advance the kingdom of God, how can I do that when I'm at the church all the time? I learned from that, and I, I developed a philosophy in my ministry that I wasn't going to inundate our church body with that. But instead, I was going to start with my family and with the church, say, listen, your mission field is out there. The lost is out there. So if we will do our job, increase from 20% to 40% to 60%, by you going out there, inviting people to have a relationship with Jesus, you invite them to have a relationship with Jesus. Not me. You invite them. Too many people have passed the buck and said, preacher, We'll catch them, you skin them. We'll bring in the church. You tell them how to get saved. No, your witness ought to be powerful enough that when you say something, they believe you. If you do that, this church will grow in leaps and bounds. Not for our sake, but for his glory. Too often, pastors try to rig it and try to jumpstart it by doing commercial stuff. I want, we want it to grow naturally. We can't do it without you. We're all shoulders. See, you make your pay one way, and I make my pay another way. I used to make my pay another way, and I volunteered in the church for many, many years. You make your pay one way, we make our pay another way. But the bottom line is we're, we're, we're servants of God together to do his work. By the way, it's pleasurable. So, saints, the 20 percenters, please don't grow weary in doing well. The scripture teaches that if you will receive a reward if you don't faint. Some of you are about to faint because you carry the burden all by yourselves. Some, for example, the children, um, directors, they want to be in church like you. So if they have enough volunteers, you only have to be in there once every four weeks or once every six weeks. But if we don't have enough volunteers, guess what? They got to be there all the time and they don't get to enjoy what you and me get to enjoy. No, that's just one place to serve. There's so many other places to serve. You're going to have a chance to find out what that is in just a minute. Well, Jesus is coming back with his, with his uh, reward. Clarity on who God's servants are in verse 18. Notice what he said in verse 18. You got the good group and the bad group, the complainers and the doers. He said, you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You have to understand, Israel was called a believing nation, and there were believers in there, 
but they were not receiving the rewards that God wants. I believe God wants to reward every believer. It does pay to serve God. But if you serve God and you walk away from God, you're in greater danger than the people that are lost because God said, those who I have given much, much more is required. Look what he did through the nation of Israel. They saw the glory like no other nation in the entire world. They heard about, they saw, they experienced the glory of God like no other nation in the world. And now they turned their back on that God and started marrying into the other cultures and started worshiping the other gods. And then they wonder why they're in the predicament they're in and not receive the blessings of God. And they could not distinguish between the righteous and the unrighteous. And so Jesus declares, God declares, listen, there's coming a time when we're going to clearly distinguish between the righteous and the unrighteous. Remember the parable of the tares and the wheat? Jesus told them another parable in Matthew 13. The parable of the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field, but when everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, sir did, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Well, then where did the weeds come from? Well, the enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up, the weeds? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. That's when there'll be total clarity. But that doesn't mean there's no clarity between now and then. Because I absolutely believe, we absolutely believe, God wants to bless those who are completely his. The problem is they thought they were his. They were not being blessed they were worse off than the other nations because they had experienced the glory of God. Now they're, re they're receiving the judgment of God because they rejected him and they could not see. Now notice, though, the condemnation for not serving in verse 1, chapter 4. We're almost finished. Surely day is coming. It will burn like a furnace, this, these complainers, this 80% who don't serve. All the arrogant and every evildoer would be stubble. And on that day... But that day is coming, I will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty, and not a root or a branch will be left to them. Wow, that's the condemnation God has for the first group of complainers that said it doesn't pay to serve God. I'm going to go enjoy life. I'm going to do what I want. I don't have time for you, God. I don't have the resources for you, God. Resources for you, God. I'm, going to, I'm going to serve myself. Remember the commandment, I must come before yourself. Notice the commendation in verse 2. Verse 2 tells us what will happen to the other group of people. Then, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like a well-fed calves. Wow. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. But now, this scripture talks about, talks about you will be blessed. And it tells us in verse 3, actually, you will rule. Notice, then you will trample on the wicked. Well, we'd like to do that right now. 
They will be your ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. These are the people that believe it pays to serve God. Do you, church, believe it pays to serve God? There's no other way I can know, you can know, unless you put it into action. Jesus said about the religious leaders, listen, do what they tell you, but don't do what they do. The only way I can tell you love God, the only way you can tell I love God is you put it into action. Faith without works is dead. Well, that means I need to be giving up. The lights went out. I'm on my last point. There's still time to serve. And this is going to be kind of an invitation to you. It's always challenging me, challenging to me as a pastor that I want to encourage myself and encourage you guys. But the scripture kind of indicates that he's a father and we're like children and he kind of always needs to adjust our thinking and our ways and our actions. That's, that's the Bible. And God's challenging you and me this morning. There is time to serve him. And he sums it up in verse 4. To the Israelites, when he said to them in verse 4, remember the law of my servant Moses. They had forgotten all about that. The decrees and the laws I gave him at Mount Horeb for all Israel. Today, God is saying to the 80 percenters, today is a day. Today's a day you have a chance to listen and respond. Remember my word as it is being proclaimed, it is being preached. While there's time, you have time to get aboard and listen to the word of God and act. So you're going to have a chance this morning to put this in action. Secondly, God encouraged them and he encourages us with his word, with teachers, prophets, Bible study teachers. Notice in verse 4 as we end in verse 5. Well, remember the law, and then he said in verse 5, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Again, that was, uh, has a near and far prophecy here. It's talking about John the Baptist coming before the Lord who would die on the cross, and then the day is coming, and I want to talk more about this in the near future. It's not all for the far future. That day came when he came and destroyed Israel for killing the prophets and killing the Son of God and destroying Israel off the face of the earth for a period of a couple thousand years. That's what he's talking about here. But he tells them, listen, I'm going to send you John the Baptist. He's going to encourage you to repent, and he's going to give you a chance to get your heart right back with me this morning. God is asking you to turn from being selfish and begin to serve him. He's given you a gift. And he wants you to use that in the church when we gather together, not just 20%, but 80% of the people. And then he tells them that I've given you teachers and prophets, and they're going to turn your hearts back to God. He ends that, and we don't hear from God for 400 years. So are you listening to him this morning? If you are, you're going to have a chance to act on that. I think every one of you in front of you, do you have, a, you have one of these cards? We're, we're going to ask you to do this. See, see if, you, if you have a pencil or a pen or some lipstick or a phone, something. But we want, we, we, we put, we made these on purpose for you. So everyone, you got one in front of you? Is, is everyone, does somebody not have one? Does anybody not have one? I don't know if we have any at the back, if we can make sure... That, that we have him. Is there any more in the back there? Uh, my grateful servant, Javier. Is there any more back there? 
very important. We, we, we went to great, great lengths to make sure you have one of these if you don't have one. Can I, can I see you? Can you wave these up? Does everybody have one? I don't see anybody. Okay, have one. Okay. Okay, if you don't have one, would you pl- please raise your hand at this time? You don't have one of these. Would you raise your hand? Anybody not have one? I know what. We got one in the front row? We got some up front row? We don't have any up in the front row. You guys have one of these? You got one? You got one? Okay, who doesn't have one? Raise your hand. We got a couple up here. Our, our star, Javier, can you come up here? Uh, give a couple people. Please, it, please let me lead you in this. These are just some of our needs. We're up here, Javier, up here, up here, up here, over here in the end. You got, you got any need? We guys got one? You got one? Okay. Please look at this and put your name on there and say, these are some of the areas, but there are other areas that you can serve in in this church. I'm speaking on behalf of Jesus, and I think you know I'm right. There's a harvest, but there's no labors. We need some more labors to do God's work. And we want you to write down one of these areas that you might serve in. And secondly, a lot of you have talent, and we have tapped into that talent. We got a plumber up in the front. I know how many times we have two plumbers, actually. We've called upon them both. That's helped us when we have a church need. If it's a small job, they come and volunteer. If it's a bigger job, we pay them. But it's nice to know. I, I, do we have an electrician in, the t- in this house at all? Anybody do electrical work? Boy, I would, we missed that. There's one. Well, we need to get your name. No, wait, I'm being serious. Hey, write your name down right now. Wait, I don't see you moving. <laughs> do, you, do you have a card? <laughs> do, you, do you have a card? You got, no, wait, I, come on. We, I want to know who the electricians are. We need Christian electricians. We need to trust them. They're not going to over-electrify the bill when they do the work for us. We need to know if you have a talent or two, please put it on there. Okay, I'm going to be quiet for a minute or two while we think about this. God, how can I serve this church?
you can go to the tag section and you can fill out your name and your talent and your abilities. And let us know where you'd like to serve. Some serve us by being prayer warriors, by the way, that may not be able to be here for some reason. That's a great way to serve. Also, go on our website and or go online and Google free gift test. There's a free gift test you can take. You may not know what your spiritual gift is or your spiritual gifts are, but please go online and take that free test. Then you can go to our website, the church website, and fill out the form and say, I've discovered I got the chance. I've got the gift of preaching. Or I, I've got the gift of electrician. I don't know. That's a, that's a talent. But then there's spiritual gifts. Go to Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you will get a, an idea of what God means by spiritual gifts. And they need to be employed here. We are indeed.com here. We are employing people with spiritual gifts. And by the way, I think the darkness is not necessarily from us, our problem. I think some things happen. Is that true or is it just if we could turn on the lights a little bit lighter at this time? Sometimes we've had some problem with the lights, but now we can get a little lighter. Oh, you're out there still. You haven't left. Something else I want to do at this time. So please turn this in, in the back, on the way out, put it in the offering boxes. There's, there's one on, right in the middle and there's a couple in the middle. Please give us a record of this. We, for his glory, we need to increase our volunteers when you're present. And then we'll, we'll continue to encourage you when you're absent, how you can use your talents outside these four walls of the church. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.